You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door to door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. Stapleton, great to have you on today. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Lex Friedman, so I thought I'd start with a very esoteric question to really get things off on a high note. Jason, how would you personally define happiness? (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on the show. And I I actually happen to really, I was listening to Lex today too while I was at the gym. Um, just a fascinating guy. Apparently, he's black belt in jujitsu too. He's like he'll mess and you judo up. and yeah. and uh, Greco-Roman wrestling or something like that. Yeah, he's like he's like the guy. Um, I, I worked on a TV show for a while with a guy who had written twenty-two sci-fi novels, and he had two PhDs, and he was putting rockets into space. And I was like, man, if you ever want to feel bad about you know the success you've had in your life and your accomplishments, and just go go see what Lex is doing. He's he's just an incredible human being, uh, and very uh, humble from what I understand too, which is always nice. Um, but I. I like we talked about this on my show, happiness, this idea of happiness. 
a couple episodes ago. And for me, uh, it's, it's just having as much control over my own life as possible. And in, in the episode, we went into more detail on it, but I, I equate happiness, wealth, success. I kind of put all of that under the same banner. And I, for me, it's just being able to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, for as long as I want, without consideration for the cost. So not having to worry about money. Um, and, and so that's a, you know, the degree to which I have that, I think, creates and and I am the most happy when I am the most free to do what I want with my time. Uh, and that's, uh, it hasn't always been that way, but it's, and that's where I'm at today. So I don't know, I may, maybe in the future I would change, but that's certainly the way I feel about it now. I, I wanted to talk to you as soon as I could, because on, on your show, the Jason Stapleton program, you're, you're doing something which is, is both phenomenal for everyday people, but for you, you're taking a degree of risk in it. What you're basically offering folks is the ability to access all your classes, all your learning services, essentially for free. So what you've created is you've created hundreds of of dollars, if not millions of dollars in courses over the year. And your goal is to basically get, and correct me if I'm wrong, a thousand people to generate a thousand dollars a month in side income revenue. Yeah, that's that's the goal for this year. So you're right. We had a. I've been talking with my business partners and and a lot of other people for a long time because we. I have a deep desire to to see people create more freedom in their own lives, and this goes back a long time. You and I have known each other for a long time, and and it goes back to the old days where I I felt like the the way you did that is through political um you know for political action, and 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 today I, I feel differently about it. I I think that the way we create the most amount of freedom for ourselves is is by um by controlling more of our income, by having better skills, and by putting ourselves into a community of people who are all kind of doing that together. And we started to create this thing a couple of years ago, and I was pitching it, and we were trying some different strategies to kind of get people to wrap their heads around it. And and um, while we had success, we've had a lot of success with people who've come in and who have who've taken courses with us and, and uh, private coaching stuff that I've done. We it wasn't we weren't hitting the mark in terms of the size and scale because I think that this is a really serious issue. I think that our economy is changing quickly. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to be struggling because they don't have skills and and they don't have the what I would consider the veins of income that come outside of their day jobs. And so uh, I was talking with my business partners, and we just came up with this idea. They said, "Well, how how tight can you make it? Like how 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 lean can you run?" What could you, what would it take to live on um, if you didn't do any of the extra stuff? If you cut back and you, you know, you lived, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, like, a, like somebody who didn't have a lot of money. And we spent several months talking about it and we just decided, you know what, let's just, let's open it up for the next year or more, whatever it takes. Let's just give everything away for free. And let's, instead of having a goal of how much money we can make, inside the company. Let's let our metric be how many people we can serve. How much, how many people can we take out of the rat race or at least create something small? And, and it's not about, I think a lot of people like to think about in a lot of, in my industry, at least, you get a lot of people who are talking about, oh, here's how I went from zero to a million dollars, or here's how to make your first million dollars. I'm not, you can't make a million dollars until you figure out to make a do- how to make a dollar. And so, 
we're really talking to people differently. We're saying, listen, I'm not telling you, you got to quit your job tomorrow. I'm not telling you, you got to build this big company. What I'm saying is if you want more freedom, you got to start having more control. And like, as we talked about before, what's my idea of happiness? It's being able to do what I want to do. And that's what I want to help other people achieve. And so over the next year, we have a goal of helping a thousand people make an extra thousand dollars a month in income. That's $12,000 a year. It's a million dollars of impact. And we're going to do it all for free. And the goal over the long term is to help a million people do that. And that's a billion dollars of in, of income that we would help create. Um, and we wouldn't charge anything for it. I, I don't, we don't have any expectation of ever charging for this stuff at all. And I'm putting together an entirely new curriculum specifically designed for people to take them from zero to $1 in, in, in earnings, their first sale. And from that first sale to that thousand dollars a month in revenue, it's really exciting. And, and, uh, and I appreciate you having me on to talk about it because it's, it is unique. I don't know anybody else who's doing it. Yeah. I mean, Jason, you probably don't know this. A lot of people don't, but when I restarted my show, starting on a new feed and everything, completely leaving politics behind in February of 2020, like this was supposed to be a travel show. Like I'm supposed to be in Jamaica in an alternate non-COVID timeline right now. So I've been robbed of that. But I mean, I I just got through my last um, premarital counseling session. I'm getting married in May. So me and my fiance did that with our pastor and we had to fill out a survey about things, you know, our hopes, our dreams, all that stuff. And, uh, it, it was, it was a lot of, you know, like now people would say it was fun, but it was, it was a good hour I got to spend with him and her just kind of talking about things that we might not have spoken about to each other, just so that way we could be on the same page. And the last thing, uh, he mentioned as he was going through our survey results was he was like, Remzo, as I'm looking at, you know, your outlook on the future, she's optimistic for the future, but you're, you're, you're terrified of the future. It, it looks like you're, you know, you're, it, I don't know if it's a lack of self-confidence thing or, or, or what is it, but like, can we talk about that for a minute? And I'm like, yeah, I, I ha- I've had a hard time sleeping for the last two years. And it's because I'm looking at the way the world is right now. And you have two types of people. You have like the great reset minded people. And then you have people that want to go back to before COVID, before the lockdowns, before the riots and everything else. And I, I don't know how anyone could have lived the past couple of years without changing as people. And for me, my biggest thing was like, I need a job where I'm mobile and I need a job that I can access through my computer. And luckily, I was already pretty much at that point. COVID kind of propelled that forward. But, you know, it, it got to the point where I, I'm never in the situation where I feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that I'm not saying that's how everyone should feel. That's just how I feel. And what, what really prompted me to go in the direction that I did was when I was at the Washington Times, and this is all public record, they cut employee salaries by 10%. And they originally did that for a couple of months because they said, we're doing this now because, you know, we made our money through the confidential section and through online ads, banner clicks and everything. They said, if we do this, we don't have to fire anyone. Hmm. And we were all on board of that. It's like, you know what? Times are tough right now. Everyone was completely fully remote at that point. If we all have to buckle down so that no one has to get fired, it was something that no one argued with. Hmm. But then they extended it. And then they extended it. And then they extended, then they tripled workloads. And then it was, oh, you know, this might be just something that's permanent now, but you're lucky you have a job. Meanwhile, all the plans I had, you know, that those all got pushed aside. And what am I having to do? I'm having to go back to Fiverr 
Upwork, all these places doing copywriting, doing social media management. I was working more at my day job and in my side hustle just to compensate for the income that was taken from me. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying, oh, woe is me. I was able to do that. I was lucky compared to people that were furloughed for a year, like Mark Clare, who was furloughed for a year, not knowing whether he could go get another job or he'd void his contract or something like that, or people that just completely lost their jobs and then they were locked down and nobody else was hiring. I'm one of the lucky ones. But you know, the, the, the world has changed and you, and you bring this up constantly on your show. It's like, if you do not keep up with how things are, you will be left behind and it won't be by inches. It'll be by miles. Yeah. And I think you make some really good points there. And I know Mark's situation uh, pretty well because we, we chatted about it quite a bit. Um, but it's it's worse than that. You, you know, you, your situation was one where they cut your pay. But I, I've talked about over the last year from 2000 and from 2021 to 2022, uh, inflation rose by about 8%, pretty close to 8%. And I, I used an example, as I said, this is, this is a tax that you don't see. I said, if you make $60,000 a year, inflation ate into $6,400 of your money or something like that. It was like $4,000, oh, it's $4,000, $4,400 of your money. So I said, did you get a $4,000 raise from your employer last year? I said, if you didn't, then it's the same as getting a $4,000 pay cut. Now you got that in addition to another 10%. Now you're staring at you know a, a, a significant loss, a 20% loss in revenue. And I said, it's not necessarily your employer's fault. He can't always he can't always pass along. He can't just raise his prices in order to cover inflation sometimes. Sometimes he has to take the haircut, but other times there's nothing that can be done. This is just a byproduct of really bad decision, bad decisions by people who we either elected or who weren't even elected that we can't control. And that's that's the thing that I want to kind of get across to folks is that these are things that you can't control. But you can control some aspects of your life. And that was the idea behind, dude, let's just start something small. I don't care what it is, a lawn mowing business. It, you're driving Uber. You're, you know, like you said, you go on Upwork or freelance and you, you do a little bit of copywriting. I'm, I just hired somebody to handle some administrative work for me for 500 bucks a month. You know, little stuff that they can do in their off hours that don't take a lot of time. And what that does is, is it gives you opportunities, it gives you choices. You create that little vein, that extra vein of freedom that says, oh yeah, if this goes away, at least I'm not totally destitute. If inflation goes up by 10%, at least I have something that's, that I'm deriving a little bit of that extra income from so that I don't have to make cuts to my life, to my lifestyle, which for a lot of people isn't even an option because they're already living that paycheck to paycheck. And so all, all of this was done, and I, I see the same things you do. I happen to be very optimistic about the future overall, but I see in the changes that are coming, so many people who are going to suffer unnecessarily because they didn't choose to start doing this now. And we've been talking about it. I have been for three or four years now, but um, today I think it's really starting to hit home with the inflation coming and now uh, the Fed is increasing interest rates and a lot of these other things that uh, you know libertarian folks tend to concern themselves with. Um, these are things that you are not going to fix, you know, through regular channels. You're going to fix your own. You're going to fix yourself. You're going to fix your own life. But a lot of people don't know how to do that. And so the entire mission for us over the next year is to show people how to do that and to help them 
as they make that transition and they start to create some of that extra income. Yeah. I mean, at first it was about the money. Like how are people going to start actually making that money? I started doing side hustle coaching in, in the middle of uh, 2021 when I found myself unemployed again because of uh, the parlor implosion and everything. That was a fun phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I, I started doing that and I, I was lucky because for years through college and everything, I had already been, you know, developing side hustles and in, in conjunction with my other jobs and stuff like that. So I already kind of knew how to do it. So when I found myself unemployed, I was, I, you know, I was on a budget, but I wasn't without income. And, you know, when I started helping people figuring out how do they align their existing skills, with their passions and connect them to a client who has a problem that needs solved, whether it's because they, they, they need something that is, you know, beyond their expertise or whether they don't have the time to do it. How can I help them connect to that person? But I mean, at first it was just like, I, I just need these people making money. I think it's kind of changed for me because obviously, you know, the return on investment from from speaking with me is the stuff that Remzo has taught me will help me make money. But what I'm also starting to see from people is that there's, there's a damaged confidence issue in a lot of people, because I think because they tie so much of their own self-worth to their job, that when something happens to their job, whether it's their fault or somebody else's fault, whether they control it or not, they still take it personally. Mm. And I went ahead and coached uh, a gentleman in Indiana who's about, he's in that 10 year window of retirement. And he put several of his kids through college and him and his wife have both been working full time. They, they live a very middle-class life, but as he started looking at things and as he started realizing that inflation was creeping in and everything else, he looked at, you know, his retirement projections and he was like, I'm still going to have to work. Like I'm still going to have to find a job. My wife is still going to have to find a job. And that scared him. And it's not that he didn't already know I should probably, you know, start a side hustle. He, he did coding and other stuff. I could probably provide those services to people, but it, it was that idea of, because I can't retire, because I can't live the life I want to live, have I failed? And what I told him was, you still have 10 years. You still have yeah. time. It might not be what you thought it would be, but it's better than what you see over the mountains at this point. And even though now he's starting to build things up and he's very close to tapping a few first clients because he's been developing, you know, promotional images and stuff like that, trying to get himself on, you know, the right channels to connect with clients. I know he's going to make money, but it's actually seeing that he has his confidence back. That meant something completely different to me. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. I think it goes, it, your confidence is, is such an important aspect of it. A lot of people don't, don't even know how to, they, they know they should, but they don't know how. And more importantly, when you, when you do lose a job or you do realize, Hey, I plan to retire at 65 or 70, and I'm not going to be able to do that. There is this shame that comes with that in the sense that I can't provide for my family anymore, that I'm not, I, I'm not good enough. I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't find a way for my wife not to have to work anymore or whatever it is that can be debilitating. And everybody that I know, myself included, has gone through stages of that where you feel like your that confidence is gone. And a big part of a big part of my job, I think, is is not just to teach the skill set, but also to inspire people and to have those conversations. I I still have um, some private clients that I work with because uh, you know because they they paid to work with me for a year, and um, 
one of the things I got a note from one of them today and he said, man, just thanks so much for our call yesterday. He said, thanks for always being so motivational, so inspirational. And I, I say that only to, to point out that that's a big part of success at anything is just having the confidence to give it a shot, having the confidence to, to fail a couple of times at it and, and to know that that's not a reflection on who you are, that that's part of the learning process that we all go through. Nobody was ever good at the thing that they're doing um, at the beginning. It, it, always took, it always took work and it always took time. And what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to impress on people is the necessity of starting now rather than starting when the next recession hits, when the next 10% pay cut comes, when the next, you know, next year when inflation's at 10% instead of at eight. I, I don't want people waiting until their back's against the wall. Um, starting now when you have some time and you have a little bit of breathing room is the best time to start creating those side hustles and that extra income that's going to serve as, as your pressure valve release when, when, when things start to go south. You've one thing that you've been doing is you've been asking your listeners to go ahead and send in their own success stories. And like you mentioned earlier, this isn't the zero to millionaire driving a, you know, a McLaren or anything. This is people that, you know, $500 a month radically decreased their stress. An extra thousand a month meant that they could keep their kids involved in sports or something like that. Mm -hmm. What what are, what are some of the stories that have been submitted to you that have kind of stood out so far? Yeah, I had one guy. So there's there's a new thing. A lot of people don't even know about it. I didn't know about it until a few months ago. Where you can rent out your car if you're not using it. It's kind of like it's like it's not, it's not it's not Uber. No, it's not, not Uber. You that. just they they literally come and take your car and drive it around town. There's one called Toro, and the guy I interviewed is using another one, but it's similar to the company called Toro. Where hey, listen, I don't use my car, but occasionally sits in my garage most of the time, you can literally rent that car out. And he said, I rent my car out. And after I pay for the upkeep on the vehicle and the wear and tear, he said, I'm probably making 500 to a thousand bucks a month in my pocket because I have this asset that sits there most of the time. And I thought, man, what a dude, you know, that costs you nothing. I mean, it's insured while it's being driven around. So if the guy wrecks it or something, you're going to get paid out. It's a it's a really, really cool, unique business opportunity that doesn't require your attention at all, uh, which is nice. And then another guy uh, that I talked to, he was doing, and I think he's going to be the first one I release. I'm going to start releasing these interviews this week. Uh, a, a guy named James, who, uh, are you familiar with uh, Renegade University? I... Uh, it's my, uh, I can't remember the dude's name who runs it, but it's, it's not, basically it's not Thaddeus Russell. Yeah. Thaddeus Russell. Thaddeus yeah. Russell. That's it. So yeah. So Renegade history does, of the United States. I remember that book. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That guy. So they have their own little university thing where they teach classes and it's doing really well. And James handles all of the sort of like website maintenance and stuff on that as a part-time gig. Uh, he's making really good money doing it. I don't know. We said thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month or something like that. And I started talking to him about it and I said, well, well, how did you get into that? Did you know how to do that stuff before? He's like, no, I didn't have any idea. My, my main job is in something totally different. And I just, I took one of his classes and I really liked it and I kept in touch with him and they needed somebody to upload videos to the website after they'd created them. And if you do that, if you've ever done that, you know, it's an incredibly simple job. It's something a monkey can do, but it's such a pain to have to wait for it to upload. And then you send it over and you got to check it. And it's just like, 
you just want to, especially if you got a lot of videos, turning it over to somebody else to do can save you hours a week of upload time. And so Thad just turned it over to him. And from there, he said, well, can you manage this, uh, some email support for me? And he said, yeah, I'll take that on. And now he's handling email support. He's handling some website development stuff. He's handling all of the video uploads and things like that. And he said, it doesn't take him that many hours a week to do. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, you don't have to know how to do it in a lot of cases. You just got to know, you just got to be willing to do the work. And, and again, I hired a guy today, 500 bucks a month to handle all of the advertising uh, billing for my podcast. So we have advertised on the podcast and every month we have to submit invoices to them, which they then verify and then send us money. And it requires, it's stupid, easy work to do. Anybody who understands what to do can do it with zero training at all. And, but it's very time consuming. And so I just said, Hey, I got this. It's probably five hours a week worth of work or maybe 10 hours a week. And I said, no, it's not 10 hours, maybe five hours a week of work. I don't want to do it. It's draining for me. Anybody want to do this work? And of course, whatever it is that you really despise doing, somebody else loves doing that stuff. And whatever you're really good at and whatever you really love doing, somebody else sucks at that. If you're good at organization, there's somebody else who hates it and want you, they'll pay you to do it. And so what I try and get people into the mindset of is just talking about, well, what do you, what do you really, what would you like to do? And sometimes it's easier even to talk about what you wouldn't like to do. So one of the trainings I'm putting out at the end of this week is, is my anti-bucket list training, which is basically just it's making a list of all the things that you never want to do again. Because once we can decide what we don't want to do, like I never want to mow my lawn again, or I never want to have to wake up to an alarm clock again, right? Those are things we know we don't want to do. Once we eliminate those, then what's left? What's left is literally the rest of the world. And then it's just a question of, dude, what would I really like doing? What would be super interesting to me? And what's going to help me eliminate all those things that I hate doing? And I did, that, I did that exercise many, many years ago, not realizing what I was doing. And it was one of the most powerful things that I ever did because it, it gave me a lot of insight into what made me happy, what I enjoyed spending time doing, and what I hated spending time doing. And so I think that's the starting off point for anybody who's trying to figure out, who, who buys into the idea that, yeah, I really could use some extra income. I, I'd like to do that, but I don't have any idea where to start. Rarely do you want to start with, okay, well, what do I want to do? A better question is, who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? What kind of person do I need to become in order to have the life that I want to have? And so we're going to work through some of those exercises this week to help people kind of discover that. And that's the jumping off point before we get into, okay, these are the different types of businesses. These are the different, this is how you would organize it. These are some things you need to think about before any of that is, just dreaming a little bit, just, just getting excited about the idea that you're going to create something that's unique and uniquely your own. It's so funny. You call it the anti-bucket list. I've got a, I've got a similar story. And, and I mean, it comes down to the fact that when I started doing side hustles, it's because I was making like atrocious money working as an intern for different 
you know, organizations and stuff in Washington, D.C., where they notoriously try and, you know, squeeze every penny that they possibly can when it comes to their interns, but they'll always go ahead and blow it on all these other things. I mean, it, it used to be, this is how I'm going to pay the bills. And maybe I'll have some extra money to take my girlfriend on a date or something. Mm -hmm. Then as I began to actually, you know, change things around, because my degree in college was in political science. Jason, you know what I did with that degree? I could tell you that government sucks and some interesting stories. Like that's about it. And, yeah. and I'm not knocking on poli sci majors. Uh, it was cool, but it doesn't pay the bills. My side hustles helped me kind of figure out like, what do I like doing and what is in demand? Because digital marketing, they didn't even call it that, you know, six, seven years ago. It was all in like these traditional ad firms and stuff like that. And maybe had some in-house marketers, but you know, the, the guy that was doing your Facebook was usually an intern or something like that. It's been such a weird progression starting to really see how it's evolved into this space where it's a necessity. But, you know, when, you know, in, in between job losses and everything else, now I'm at the point where my side hustles make up almost half of what my salary jobs bring, my salary job brings in monthly. So now it's like, wait a second. That's incredible. My, my side yeah, hustles fantastic. pay my rent. They pay my utilities. I, I know what my groceries are. They pay all my groceries and I have a little left over. And now I'm at the point where it's like, how do I knock out inconveniences in my life? And how do I get more of my time back so I could actually do things that I'm good at? And one of the things I guess on my anti-bucket list for years, and some people find this therapeutic. I hate it. I've never enjoyed washing my car. <laughs> I fucking hate washing my car. I would literally rather like, you know, go under Chinese water torture than do that shit. So my thing was like, you know, not all my, all, all the money that I bring home from my nine to five, I'm putting that into investments. I'm putting that into passive income streams and other stuff. I, I invested in a local craft brewery here that was looking for private equity investors in Milwaukee. Like, you know, all that stuff is going to work for me. And all my side hustle money is actually paying the stuff I need to live. But I was like, you know what? You know, it'd be a treat if I could just go pay 20 bucks at the car wash. Hmm. And the guy have somebody else do it. Yeah, have somebody else do it. And it's like, I never have to wash my car again unless I'm dying or destitute. My, mine was standing in lines. That's my, that's my one. I, I hate it more than anything on it. Anybody who knows me knows I hate it. Uh, it, it is it, nothing makes me feel more like a plebe than having to stand in a line for a cup of coffee. And I, I will, um, I will turn around. I'll, I'll go without rather than have to stand in the line. I, you won't catch me standing in a line unless there's no way for me to not be in the line. Uh, because I, I absolutely abhor it. But, and it came, that came out of a, a book I read by uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Carnegie's book and uh, his auto, his biography. And as he got older, uh, he couldn't ever spell because he didn't ever go. He, he left school in like the seventh grade or something, sixth grade. So he was an atrocious speller. And once he got really really wealthy, he was in Scotland and he's writing all this shorthand that nobody could read. And not to look like an idiot. Uh, and rather than work on his own deficiency and become a better writer and a better speller, he petitioned the U.S. government to change the dictionary so that so that his shorthand and it was more which way he believed was more readable would be the way that words would be spelled. That's such a baller move. It is a baller move. Yeah, and and I the back of my mind I'm thinking, well, there's a guy who's got it figured out. You know, he's like, I'm not going to work on my deficiencies. I'm going to like twist the world to fit my you know my shortcomings. 
And that was kind of the beginning of the of the bu- anti-bucket list for me. And I said, you know what? I've never seen a successful person, a really successful person stand in a line. Warren Buffett doesn't stand in lines. Tom Cruise doesn't stand in lines. You know, it, it, these people don't just, they got people who do that for them. And I said, I want to get to a point where I'm so successful that I don't have to stand in lines anymore. That I have somebody who stands in the line for me. And, and, and I, I recognize how egotistical and arrogant that might sound. But I think all of us have that thing, like you with the washing car. When I hear that, I'm like, yeah, man, like pay somebody else to wash your car. Have them come pick it up and wash it for you, fill it up with gas and bring it back so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, get somebody to go get your groceries if you hate going to the grocery store. Like there's nothing wrong with with having that dream because you're eliminating all those things from your life that you don't want. And those things come um, when you have greater skills and more control over your income and your time um, and greater amounts of income. And I'm not saying that you got to make a million dollars a year to be happy or $10 million to be happy. What I'm saying is whatever your that life, that vision is, it will require some capital. And the greater control you have over that, the, the, more ha- the happier I believe that people will be, or at least I've been, and, and also the more insulated you will be from all of the other stuff that's on the horizon that we all look at and go, oh, holy smokes, this looks, this looks really bad, right? It's not a guarantee. We may go down with the ship, but at least we got a chance if we got a little bit more control. Who's not, the guy who's not going to have a chance is the guy who puts his head in the sand. He's just punching his clock at his nine to five, trying to make ends meet and hoping that, man, the next election cycle, somebody gets elected that'll fix these problems for us. There's um there's a quote and I'm I'm 99% sure it's from Winston Churchill. And I don't remember it entirely so I'm going I'm going to butcher it. But he was he was writing back and forth I think to his mother. I think his mother lived in the United States because Churchill was half American. And uh around the time that he knew he was going to become prime minister, he was talking about a lot of things that he was really, you know, stressed out about his you know, things that worried him. And the one thing that he mentioned was how he wanted to kill his nightmares. He's like, if I could just kill my immediate nightmares, I can, I can lead Britain to face the Nazi threat and things like that. And that, that always kind of stuck with me because, you know, in, in that correspondence, he's talking about things like, you know, well, I have time to meet with my son who's now in the British army. Will I have time to be an attendant husband and stuff like that? Like, it was really just like personal things where you're like, dude, you're, you're leading the free world against the greatest threat in humanity. And you're worrying about these immediate things. But he was like, you know, as long as I can get those in check, I can do anything. Yeah. And, and, it, and it wasn't until I had greater cash flow through multiple streams of active and passive income that one of my immediate priorities began, you know, what, what are my nightmares that, that keep me up at night? And I still have some, but what are the ones that I can immediately kill? And I went through that list and, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm perfect at this point, but I've got a lot less nightmares than I used to have about what mm-hmm. if, what if this happens? What if that happens this way? Like a, a lot of things I can't control what the outside world will do, but I feel so much better knowing that I've got a defense up for those situations and I don't have to worry about being caught with my pants down in those moments. Oh, and, for sure. you know, m- money doesn't solve everything, but money solves a lot of freaking problems. Hmm. 
It, it does. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a way I've always looked at it is if you can write a check to solve a problem, you don't have a problem. And there's a ton of problems in this world that get a lot easier if you have a little bit extra income. But you mentioned Winston Churchill, the quote that I am, I, keeps coming back to me over and over again, as we talk about this, this issue of, of getting started now rather than waiting is um, when he was talking about entering World War II. And he said, if you will not fight for right when it comes easy and without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to that moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only with and only a precarious chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may end up fighting when there is no hope for victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. And the change that is coming, it's never the future never looks exactly like we expect it to. But we know change is coming. We know automation, artificial intelligence is going to start killing off jobs. We know that we have a workforce that is poorly educated in, in the sense of the, they lack the skills that are necessary to thrive in the new economy. We know that companies will fail and that there will be, we've got a changing world order I talked a little bit about on the show today, uh, that we don't really know what that's going to look like, how these pieces as they as the wars continue and as these people fight amongst each other and, and nations rise and fall, where we're going to end up, our, our, our nation. We hope that we're still the leader of the free world, hopefully. But if history is any guide, we probably won't be. And so I look at all of that and I say, if you're not going to start now when things are easy, when you have a little extra money that you or a little extra time, um, you may find yourself struggling for your very survival uh, when things become bleak. And you may actually find yourself in a position where you don't have any hope and you're walking through with your hand out hoping that somebody, hopefully you're, that you'll be a charity case for somebody else. And, and I would, I want to save people that shame because I know uh, if you've ever been in that situation, and in my life, I certainly have been, uh, it is an, it's an awful place to be, to be holding your hand out, asking for, asking for charity because you can't provide for yourself. And all it takes is a willingness, as you said, to start that process. You've been doing this for a long time and it's easy for you. You start thinking about, oh, well, I could start this little thing over here. I could do this, or I could go to Upwork and I could get a couple extra jobs here. You know, see, your brain works that way because you've already been doing it for years. When the average person thinks about how am I going to get extra income and you say, well, man, go on Upwork. They're like, what is Upwork? And I don't even, I don't understand. Like, what would I even do? And how do what, I do what's it? What's wild is that when people book a coaching call with me, they already have like 90% of the answers. Yeah. They just have no clue where to find the resources and then take that next step. So part of the time I'm like, you know, I feel like this guy didn't really get anything out of his, you know, call with me, but then, you know, they'll, they'll respond to me later, give me a testimonial or something. It's like, I have discovered so much from the hour I invested with you, even though I only really needed like five minutes of it, mm -hmm. it was worth it. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it, that the access to the next step is what I think intimidates a lot of people because this they're entering a brand new space and they have no clue where to go. And then, I mean, just to kind of jump ahead on this one, it, it comes down to the, like their rates. I, I used to be happy when I was making like 200 extra dollars a month. And then after years of, you know, kind of forcing myself to be a bit more bold in my negotiating and everything, the difference between negotiating for like an extra hundred dollars and an extra $1,500 was nothing. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't say that to sound braggadocious, but really it just 
came from understanding my own value in the market and what my specific skills brought. And I tell people this because it's like money is out there and there are people who want to give it to you. So if you're not the best advocate for yourself by getting in front of them and then putting your best foot forward in those situations, they're, they're going to give it to somebody else. Yeah. It might as well be you. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. And, and some people, I think a lot of people think, well, I don't have any skill that would be valuable to anybody. And most of the time, I mean, in almost every case, if I dig a little bit deeper, that's a self-confidence problem. It's not a skills problem. But to your point, there are some people out there whose skills, they might say, well, I, I want to make X number of dollars. It's like, well, you're not solving that big of a problem, buddy. Like your skills won't command a high wage, but they will command a wage. You know, like the stuff that I'm, I'm having this guy do for me is like, dude, he's overqualified for the work that I'm having him do, but he'd like the extra income. And it's not going to take him any time. So he might come into it saying, well, no, I need at least $1,500 a month to get out of bed. And it's like, all right, no, because I got this dude over here who I can, I'll teach him how to do it and he'll get it done for cheaper. The bigger the problem you can solve, and, and we talked about this again on the show today, it's like every one of us is a problem solver. In our entire economy, we go wake up every day and go to work to solve a problem for somebody. Most of your listeners are solving problems for an employer who is solving a problem for a, a, a customer or a client, right? Entrepreneurship is the same way. You are solving problems for people. The bigger problem you can solve, the bigger the pain, the more that's worth. And unlike what you're probably doing now, which is trading time for dollars, which is what most people who have jobs do, um, there's no correlation between the amount of time it takes you to solve the pain and the amount of money you make. In fact, Oftentimes, the quicker you can solve the problem, the more money you will make. If you have a, for example, let's say that you work at a an oil refinery, a gas refinery, and you've got a crack in one of the refining, you know, tubes that's doing all the that's converting the oil into gas, right? And that thing's leaking oil like a sieve. Those guys are losing billions of dollars by not having that seal fixed. If you can show up and fix it in an hour, what's that worth to them? right? That's the way you got to start thinking. The bigger problem you can solve and the faster you can solve it, the more money you will make. And so if you find yourself in a position where, A, I have a little bit of time, but I don't have a lot of skills, then we need to focus on the skill side. We need to acquire those rare and specialized skills that are going to be valuable. And the only question is, what kind of skills do you want to acquire? What would you think would be fun? Would you like to learn how to code? Because there's people who really need that. You want to learn about blockchain technology? That's a cool thing. Um, you know, like I said, video editing, hugely necessary for, it solves huge problems for people. There's lots of these little things that you can do, but the bigger the problem, the more you're going to be paid in the end. Jason, I think this is the perfect place to kind of wrap things up. I know you got to go and I really do appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and my listeners today. If people want to go ahead and tune into your show and take advantage of all the amazing things that you're currently offering them. So that way they can take the next big step in their lives. How could they do so? 
Uh, yeah, the show's just the Jason Stapleton program. You can search for it wherever you guys are, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, then all, basically what we're doing is we're just asking people to come and join our community. We have a free community. It's called the Nomad Network. If you'll go to my.nomadnetwork.app, it's a little weird, but that's the my.nomadnetwork.app. You can sign up for free. All of the content, there's already a bunch of, of content there for free, uh, but we've got a lot of different groups based on kind of what your interests are. And all I ask is that once you signed up, introduce yourself. Let everybody know who you are. Um, let's see if you can we can make some connections with you and some other people who are interested in what you're doing and who are already on that path. And uh, and then be on the lookout because we've got training coming all the time. I'm, that's my primary focus right now is just getting those exercises and that training material out to people so that they can start taking action based on what they learn. Jason, greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother.